Today I want to minister just for a few minutes on going from only hearing about to seeing and experiencing Christ. From moving from an intellectual only relationship with the Lord to an intimate one. Having an encounter with Christ. And as it says here in our opening text in Ephesians, in verse 18, that we would be able to to comprehend, to be able to comprehend it's a hard thing to do <laughs> when you're talking about the width and the depth and the height and the length of the fullness of Christ. <clears throat> but it was the goal that we would be able to comprehend just how vast and infinite our Lord and Savior, His, His love for us, His plans for us, His his available power for us to walk out this journey that we're on, that we as a people of God would, would be able to comprehend these things. And, and to comprehend these things, we, we, have to, we have to move past, as it talks about right there in verse 19, passing knowledge, to know the love of Christ which passes Knowledge. We appreciate knowledge. We, we pursue knowledge. Each one of us better have some knowledge in some area in order to, to make a living. Or you're not going to be very good at what you do. Knowledge is, knowledge is valuable. Knowledge in our walk with Christ is, is very valuable and and useful, but from moving from just hearing about to seeing and experiencing for ourselves is there has to be this moving beyond just knowledge-based relationship that you may be filled with the fullness of God. It's talking about a, an infilling of our inner man, our inner spirit man, an infilling of the Holy Spirit of God whom glorifies Jesus and makes Jesus so tangible in our life, not distant, almost feeling like when we have to, going through something in our life and we need prayer and we know and we believe that we need a call and ask prayer from those whom we walk with, but to the idea that that's the only way that we can access. Because the nearness on our own is sometimes not something that we've experienced at all or experienced frequently or recently. <clears throat> We're going to turn to Habakkuk in chapter 3 and 
I was able to hear just a, just a brief exhortation on this just this past week. Somebody once again just stirring up revival fires and went to this just this powerful book. All these, you know, minor prophets in the Old Testament, of course, that we believe and read and preach the entire Old Testament. But, boy, you get into some of these latter books and the Old Testament, boy, and they're just filled and dripping with the cries for the move of God, the, the outpouring of the reign of God. These prophets writing about and pleading with the Lord to do it once again. In Habakkuk in chapter 3, and we're just going to read just the first three verses today, really the first two. It says, a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, on Sigionoth, Sigionoth, however that's pronounced. Verse 2. O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. The ESV says, if you're reading that or maybe another translation, it says, O Lord, I have heard the report and was afraid. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. And God came from Timon, the Holy One, from Mount Paran. You know, just this week, and I just realized it just this morning as I heard the song just for the first time last night, but Christina wrote a new song just not having known what I was going to be reading or anything this week, but she was talking about it and helped me remember the, the, the verses. Yeah, no, the part of the past, we have heard of the past, and we've heard the stories told. When your glory showed up, you have to pull out your iPad. You want me to give you your iPad? Just sing it so you can, yeah, whole generation shaken. The old is, yesterday is gone, that's what I'm getting to. Yesterday is gone, today is here. We're ready and waiting for, the, to, for you to draw near. Yesterday is gone, today is here. That is at the core what the prophet Habakkuk is saying in this passage right here. He's saying, Lord, I have heard the reports from old. We've heard of what you did in the past. We heard of your great miracles, the great partings, the great conquest, the great forming of a nation, how you brought water from a rock and Lord, you made the bitter water sweet. Lord, all the things of, oh Lord, we've heard the report. Like what we've been doing in recent weeks, just a little here, a little there. We've been reminding ourselves of the reports of, of recent generations, not, not millennia ago, but a century ago. 
We've heard your reports, Lord, of these past revives, as the word of God says. Maybe the word revival is not there, but you can find revive all throughout the text. We've heard the reports of Azusa Street, as we talked about, or the Welsh, or as some of us are now learning from the movie that just came out, the Jesus Revolution. We've heard the reports, Lord. We've heard of whole nations being shaken, Lord. Nations being formed. We've heard of the fire and the, we've heard of the clouds, God. But here in this passage, in this minor prophet, just these few little chapters squeezed into the whole of this, this holy book, as he's crying out, making it a matter of prayer, in verse 2, revive your work in the midst of years. Or in other words, revive your work in the midst of our years. Revive your work in the middle of everything right now. You see, you think we're the only ones that pray certain prayers like that. We're the only ones that say, oh, that Jesus would come and fill the house, that the Holy Spirit would fill the house. Holy Spirit, revive your work in the house. It was a matter of prayer for this man of God. It was a matter of of passion and focus of his life. Not to just walk in what becomes just a routine existence. Some days it might feel like that, but for there to be a core part of us that is crying out to the Lord in petition to revive his works in our life, in our church, in our Cities, our nations, and all across the globe. You see, all sorts of things begin to happen when our eyes begin to open to the reviving work of Christ. There's one aspect of like where we started, the knowledge, which you could even say the, the discipline. You're a military man or woman in the house. You know, we put a lot of Emphasis on on the discipline of life and things. If you're a structured person, there's a lot to be said about the knowledge and the discipline, but, but there's a whole lot more that adds on to that aspect when we start talking about going from only hearing and structuring to seeing and experiencing. We can see it from the old all the way into the new where one very known passage likely in 2 Kings in chapter 6 verse 17 2 Kings 6:17 it's another prayer and I'm going to give you a bunch of different little short prayers that you can add to your prayer life today the first prayer that you can add to your your daily prayer life and devotion life is revive your works of old lord That's a prayer that you can write it down, put it in your phone, put it in your Bible. When you pray every day, that is a biblical prayer that you can be praying every day. Another prayer that we see prayed by the prophet Elisha is, Lord, open his eyes. 
going from just hearing to seeing where in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 17, and Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Whew, that, that's, a, that's a prayer right there. You want to pray from somebody in your life? You want to pray for, for your enemies? You want to pray for your family? You want to pray for your, your pastor, your church, your small group? You want to pray for those people in your life that just need a breakthrough? Lord, I pray, open their eyes that they may see. It says, then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. Many of us know the passage of they were being surrounded. Elijah and his young servant were being surrounded by these armies. And, and the, the servant began to become very scared. His life was flashing before his eyes. Simply put, we're about to get slain. There was fear. There was anxiety. There was nervousness. There was no way out. For sure, there was no way out of this one. But, but for some reason, his master, the prophet Elijah, was at peace. That's when you know you're seeing something beyond the natural when everything seems to be going array, the, the enemies are coming against you, the troops are all surrounding you, but somehow you've got a supernatural peace in your life. And he's trying to work up his mass or almost as if trying to steal his peace. Do you have anybody like that in your life? <laughs> they want to try to come and you're kind of, you got the peace and they want to kind of try to come and take your peace. He wasn't having any of it, and he just prayed, Lord, open his eyes. Here's the thing. When we're walking through this life not having eyes to see, not having eyes that are open to the things of the Spirit, that's where anxiety and fear and, and sometimes just overall too much fleshly concern about our welfare. Elijah walked. With opened spiritual eyes. Hear how much more today can the people of God with the Holy Ghost dwelling within us. As we started in Ephesians that we would be able to know and comprehend. Comprehend from within to without. Comprehend the fullness of the things of the Spirit of God. Elijah walked and lived in this spirit realm. <clears throat> he wasn't concerned. He wasn't dismayed. He prayed the Lord came to their aid. There was Isaiah and Jeremiah, and we can't, those, those two passages are way too long, but, but I did want to point out one similarity in both of the passages. We know the one in Isaiah, and I'm just going to just paraphrase them a little bit, but, you know, Isaiah, he said... I saw the Lord high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. And 
right when he saw the Lord, he had this, this, this revelation in his life. And his revelation when Isaiah saw the Lord, you know what, I better just read, read the passage rather than butcher it with paraphrasing. He says, in the year of King Uzziah, when King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Then in verse 5, and so I said, woe is me, for I am undone. I'm undone. You see, you got to know, I mean, just on a very practical thing, I mean, this is chapter 6 of Isaiah. I mean, he's already been, he's already been hearing and prophesying and, and writing stuff. But by the time we get to this, this point in his ministry, in the year that King Uzziah died, giving us a little timeline, when he saw the Lord, he was undone. There's a difference. There's a difference from just hearing of the works of old and seeing the Lord. He says, I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people. And then in verse 6, it says, And one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal and taking it from the tongs of the altar. He touched my mouth. He came and touched his mouth in the same with Jeremiah, if you've never noticed that before. But in, in Jeremiah, that young prophet as well in chapter 1, slightly different his encounter with the Lord. As always, our encounters individually with Christ are always going to be slightly different in my observation but in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 6, said, Then I said, Ah, Lord. Well, first in verse 5, it says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah is having this encounter with the Lord. And in verse number 6, he says, Ah, Lord, but I cannot speak, for I am a youth. And then by verse 9, it says, And the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. Isaiah saw the Lord and was undone, confessed unclean lips, and the seraphim came with the coal from the altar and touched his mouth. The Lord came to that young prophet Jeremiah right at the beginning of his ministry when he just didn't feel like he was worthy. He didn't feel like he had anything to say or anything to bring. He felt like he was just, just a, a normal youth. And the Lord said, for you shall go to whom I will send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. And the Lord put forth his hand and touched his mouth. There's something about having an encounter with the Lord and God coming down and touching our lives. Jeremiah, at this young age, had his mouth touched and went forth and was the prophet to lead this nation 
with the word of God through one of its one of its biggest transitions and difficult seasons in the existence of Israel. We go from there to Job, and Job is is an eye opener, literally. We go to the book of Job in chapter 42. And we're talking about going from just hearing about to seeing, experiencing, being touched, our lives being touched, our mouths being touched, our eyes being opened, our understanding of our spirits coming alive and comprehending more and more as we grow and walk with the Lord. In Job, in chapter 42, and we're going to read verses 1 through 6, this is at the very end of that whole journey that Job went through. And this is Job's final response at the end. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know, almost to say I now know, I know that you can do all things. Does anybody know that in the house? And that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. No purpose of God's can be stopped, shut down, prevented from happening. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Has there been anybody who you've said something stupid before in the midst of the fire? That's basically what he's saying. I've uttered. I've uttered. I mean, it sounds very elegant when Job says it right, but he's just saying, I said some stupid things. Verse 4. Here and I will speak and I will question you and you will make it known to me. Verse 5. Job 42, verse 5. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear. But now my eyes, my eye sees you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. What a revelation. After that entire journey, he didn't ask for it. In one hand, wasn't prepared for it, but at the end of the day, was prepared for it because he was a righteous man. But at the end of all the suffering, after all the loss, after all the sitting with dust and ashes upon his head, after all the, 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 the friend counsel that wasn't so comforting, Job finally, at the end of it all, he, he came once again to this revelation, these revelations that we all have to come to time and time again, even though we live in a new day and a new age with the power of the Holy Spirit within us speaking to us. The Word of God living and alive and active in our lives. We still have to continually come to this revelation and this conviction 
God can do all things in my life. We still have to come to the conviction that though I, I thought I knew you then, but, but now, now today after having seen you, today after having seen your faithfulness one more time in my life, now today I know you even more. Today, it's no longer quite like Job in that it was just a hearing to a scene. But today, it's this progressive that you would be able to comprehend that the fullness of Christ would be in our life. Today, is this progression, is this progressive revealing of an infinite Christ and Savior in our life. That we're going just from, just from hearing. One of the biggest transitions when, for our youth in the room when they go from, from being a youth sitting with mom and dad in the house of God as, as every youth should be. Not that you have to be. But going to that point to where then you experience Jesus for yourself. Where are some of the youth? I make eye contact with you. I'm seeing you around. Sitting right there, but, but going from that transition from, from that age where you're coming to the house of God because, because mom and dad, being a man and woman of God, are, are bringing us, this is what our family do does, to now I see Jesus. I now know how important Jesus is in my relationship with God. I now see and experience him for myself. You see, it's this whole idea of, of, of coming to this place where, where we begin to understand that because we're raised with Christ, as Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2 says, it says, since then you were raised with Christ. Seek those things which are above. We're setting our sights on things which are above. We've gone from just hearing of the works of old, hearing of our, our parents, God, our families, Christianity, to now we've been raised with Christ. We walk through the sufferings. We acknowledge our own, our own faults, smallness, and repentance always follows an encounter with Christ. Hear me when I say that one more time. Smallness in repentance always follows. Even the few examples we looked at today from, from the young Isaiah to the young Jeremiah to the established business family man, Job. Every one of them, when they come and encounter and see the Lord and, and have this encounter with Christ. They all fall to, oh, I'm unclean lips. Oh, I'm only but a youth. Oh, Job said, I will repent in smallness. And repentance always follow. So we stop uttering things that we do not understand and, and we begin to seek those things which are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. We set our minds on things above, not on things of this earth. And yeah, we have to live from day to day and we have to provide and 
somehow put food and sustenance in our bodies. But once we see Him, it changes everything that we seek. Once we see Him, it changes all that we seek. When we see Him, when He goes from just just a, a story or a disciplined decision which needs to happen to him touching our life to experiencing his presence to having the outpouring of the Holy Spirit poured out in our hearts having the baptism overflow through our life seeing and experiencing the glory of God can accomplish in seconds what otherwise seemingly takes years. Seconds in the presence of God. For those of us that are still waiting, as we all are to some degree or the other, that's why I feel even now in this season that we're in right now, as we started off the year with the simple theme to make more space for Jesus, we have to set aside more time to wait on the Lord. There's no way of just, there's no real super spiritual way of saying it or doing it. It's just, you just got to set it, you just got to set aside time. God, I know we don't want to make it a religious thing or a tick-the-box thing, but, but you just got to set aside time to wait on the Lord. You got to put yourself in a place to be a Lord by His glory for your affections to be captured by His beauty, a time to pray and to seek Him in the word intentionally. Slow down. Slow down in the word of God. And, and once again, just revisit the scriptures again and again that the Lord is, is speaking to you. Seconds can change everything. As we slow down and wait upon the Lord. Let's respond. Let's dig out our wells. Let's drink of the goodness of God. Let's wait upon his presence and call upon his name to revive his works of old in our day, in our time, today, in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and stand to your feet if you would. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just right now. Just right now, just open up your hearts. Just open up your hearts. Hallelujah. Glory to your name.